All right. I found out tonight that Miss um, Kimberly got me earlier. I thought she was joking. She said, uh, by the way, my mom and dad's going to stay home and watch the Super Bowl tonight. And I went, <laughs> laughed, and then they didn't come. <laughs> so I was like, you were telling the truth. She said, I told you. She said, they're sick, Pastor. So bless their hearts. I hope they feel better. And because uh, I know if uh, Brother Jim, Miss Cindy's not here, it's because they're sick. Amen. I'm sure they're watching online. So, but anyway, that was good. That got me. Y'all ever been got? I was got. All right. Would you open your precious Bible tonight to the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke. And uh, we're going to uh, just give you a few things I hope will be very helpful. I'm thankful for the Bible. How many of you love your Bible? Glad for it. Thankful for it. I don't always like it. Uh, The Bible does say of itself it's a hammer. It's a sword. It's a mirror. uh, It's light. It's food. It's water. And uh, by the way, I'm going to finish preaching on all of those starting the beginning of March. And then I also want you to know I've been, uh, I've, one of the favorite passages of my scripture, of scripture in my life, I've never preached on it, uh, it's the passage in 2 Samuel where uh, Daniel is, or David is just longing for a drink out of the well of Bethlehem. It wasn't a request, it was just a desire. And I've been working on a message out of that passage of Scripture. Really, it could probably be preached during home improvement. Because you're talking about what love those men, what love those men had for David. And I think that would be a very uh, inspiring, encouraging love that we ought to have for our families and our spouse and also the Lord. But uh, I want you to notice in the Gospel according to Luke, chapter number 6, I want to deal with a a passage tonight in a subject. And I, I gave it this morning. Givers and takers. Givers and takers. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's givers and there's takers. Now we know that there's other categories that, you know, we could be lumped into. By the way, they're either saved or we're unsaved. Uh, we, we understand that, but in, in context of what we're wanting to bring out and emphasize tonight, I want you to look at it like this. We're either givers or takers. Which are we? And by the way, that just doesn't mean with money. Uh, Most people think any time a preacher is going to preach on giving, it's about money. No, actually this passage of Scripture, yes, it could be talking about financial things, but really giving is much more than just giving money. So let's look at it. Uh, And by the way, you say, well, Pastor, how do you know that? Well, you try to only give money to your spouse. Listen to me. That's a cheap substitute for you. When somebody got married, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't get married to be given money. They got married for you to give yourself to them. Marriage is giving yourself, your time, your love, your, your gifts. And I say this to men all the time. I, I say to men all the time, I say, you know what most men don't understand? When women get married, they, they really get married to get you. <laughs> They get married to be married. How many of y'all understand what I'm talking about? Ladies want to be loved, and they should be. A lot of times, gentlemen, they get married for all the other things, but we ought to be married because we're giving ourselves to one another. So let's look in verse 32 of Luke chapter 6. For if you love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. 
And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank you have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. Now there it is, y'all mark her down. That right there has called, if we will get that truth down, that will cause a whole lot of less problems in our relationships. I said to someone years ago, we don't loan money here. We give it. Because if you loan money, there's no doubt about it, somebody's going to expect to get it back. And by the way, if you loan money, you should get it back. But I don't think the church ought to be in the loaning business. Amen? And the Bible says here that we ought to give. Now the Bible says in verse number 34, And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. So we know that it's not talking about money. Because you're not getting the money back. The Bible says if you'll love this way and you'll be a giver, then you're going to get a greater reward than what you gave. Think of this. You shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and ye shall not be judged. Condemn not, and ye shall not be condemned. Forgive, and ye shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll take this truth, speak to our hearts, help us now. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. How many of you know the greatest giver? You know who the greatest giver is? The Lord Jesus. He's the greatest giver. By the way, he didn't get much when he got me. Can I get a witness? How many of you feel like he didn't get much when he got you? But you know what? He gave anyway. And so he showed the greatest of love here. I thank God our Savior is a giver. By the way, he's still a giver. He's still giving. Our God is still giving. He gives grace. He gives us peace. I'm thankful he gives us victory. But look, there are two kinds of people in this world. There's givers and there's takers. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear someone say they're a Christian, I ought to think they're a giver. If someone says, hey, I'm a Christian, then I just think one of the characteristics of that person, they should be a giver. But I want you to know there's way too many takers in the world. Would you all agree? But the Bible clearly teaches us to be givers. To be givers. This whole passage here is talking about giving. In other words, he's saying, I want you to even give to people that don't deserve it. I want you to give to people to show that you're a real Christian because if you're going to give something to somebody, you know you're going to get it back. That's, they said, look, sinners do that. That's not strange to sinners. See, we're to be a peculiar people. A people of his very own, some that know what giving is all about. And so we see here that he's instructing us to give. And that's not just money. Although it includes money, there's no doubt about it. But the Bible clearly teaches us to be givers in every way. Think of this in ourselves. The Christian life, what are we to do? We're to give our hearts to the Lord, but we're to give our lives to the Lord. We're to give our time to the Lord. We're to give our talents to the Lord. 
We're to give our treasures to the Lord. But not only to the Lord, if you love somebody, would you not think that we ought to love that person in such a way that we give ourselves to them? By the way, when we stand in an altar or wherever someone makes a covenant to get married, that's what you are saying, that you're giving yourself to one another. By the way, you're no longer one. The Bible says you're no longer an individual. The Bible says when you get married, you become one. So what are you doing? You're giving everything you have to that person. You're even giving your identity to them. You're giving them your heart. By the way, uh, when you get married and you love someone, you're to give them your heart. So giving, we, we've got to give. Now, by the way, we live in a day now where people are scared to give. Why is that? Well, you say, well, you can't give to everything on TV because it could be a scam. By the way, I know that's true. Uh, we know that people are scamming people every day. Sadly, we've had people in our church scammed by people that's told them that they need help and they'll send them cards or whatever. Next thing you know, there's an, there's an endless, it, it's endless of how they absolutely torture those people. So we know we live in that day, but to be fair, even in relationships, some people have been hurt in their relationship, so what do they do? They clam up, so I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to give love to that person anymore. Well, we've got to trust the Lord. The Bible says we've got to be givers. We're going to give ourselves. We're going to give our time. Giving is the greatest expression of love. You say, Pastor, how do you know that? For God so loved that he bought you. For God so loved the world that he told you he loved you. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Giving is the greatest expression of love. What do we do? I know every mother here, you love your children. Why? Because you'll give your life for your children. I know that every mother here, if you could, you would give your life for your children. Why? That's the greatest expression of love. By the way, you've got to give your life for your spouse. Why? That is the greatest gift of love. That's the greatest expression of love. So God is saying for us that we are to give and it shall be given. Giving is the greatest expression of love because he gave. Now, the opposite of giving is taking. Taking. That's the opposite. It's very simple. It's, if you're not a giver, you're a taker. Hey, which would be someone defined as a taker? It'd be this. Here's the word we would use. They're greedy. They're full of greed. Now, let's bring this down to the home because this is Home Improvement Month. I want you to know some of our greatest struggles in our relationships is somebody gets greedy. Now, I'll give you some of the best counsel you've ever heard, not because I'm the one that's the originator of it. But the greatest, the greatest thing, when I ask someone, they're getting ready to get married, they think they're in love, I said, are you ready to give everything you have to them? If they say no, then they're not ready to get married. Marriage is giving. It's giving of yourself, giving of your time. Why? It's the greatest expression of love. If we're going to be greedy, then we can be great greedy alone. If we're going to be greedy, then look, if we're going to stay and, and not let God help us to overcome our greed, then we ought to stay alone. Why? Because God says loving, we ought to give. It's been given. We should be givers. By the way, greed is defined as this. An excessive desire for the acquisition of things. 
all too many people on this earth embrace the things on earth rather than things in heaven. We get greedy. Greed turns a person's, think about this now, greed turns a person's thoughts inward and makes him, y'all ready, or makes her me first. Me first. And then we wonder why so many marriages struggle. Me first. We find a few takes in Scripture of certain Bible, we call them characters, real live people that were me first people. Who was someone, if you thought in the Bible, I just have a couple wrote down, but they thought of themselves and because of they were greedy, they made decisions that affected so many other people. The first one I think of is Judas. I mean, can you imagine walking around with the Son of God on this earth, watching Him do what He did, being affected by His ministry, and then sell Him for 30 pieces of silver? Why did He do that? I'm going to tell you what. He wasn't thinking about the Lord. He wasn't thinking about other people. I'm going to tell you what. He was thinking of Himself. He was greedy. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't give like they were supposed to give. You say, well, why? And by the way, it cost them their life. Well, why? They were greedy. They weren't givers. And so we understand that the Bible is full of people that were greedy. I'll be honest, I think that many marriages in the Bible showed greed. If you want to see a passage of Scripture where, and my wife and I are doing a book right now on Cherish, that's something you don't hear a lot about. And I was convicted because we that's even in our marriage vows. That we're to cherish one another. And I'm going to be honest with you, we don't really do that very much because we don't even know what cherish means. Man, I've been convicted by it. And so they've been pointing out the book of Song of Solomon. And boy, when you read the book of Song of Solomon, I'm going to tell you one thing. You're going to find two people there, they are cherishing one another. And by the way, they're giving to one another too. It's not just all about them. So we understand that greed turns a person's thoughts inward. Now listen, in a marriage, that's not good. Because when we start thinking inward, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're always going to be disappointed. Always. When we start only thinking of ourselves, I learned this principle and my wife taught it to me and I've failed in it in my past. I understand that. But she taught me something years and years ago. We want our spouses to do so much for us. And then when that doesn't happen, we get discouraged. But I've learned something about love and love about giving. I've learned something. If you'll give and love, normally the byproduct coming back to you will be love and giving. You usually get what you give. You'll usually get. This is the biblical principle here in chapter 38. So someone says, well, I tell you what, he just don't do that. All right, well, then how about you do it? How about you do that? How about you quit worrying about what he's not doing or what she's not doing? And how about you start giving without expecting anything in return? But guess what will happen? More than likely, your spouse, a light bulb, will finally come on and say, Wow, they're doing this, and it will motivate them to do again back to you. Wow, love motivates love. Giving motivates giving. 
Greed twists a person's perspective out of balance. And we must be givers, not takers. And to become givers, we're going to have to have some help. And I thank God I'm glad we got some help. Amen? And I'm glad it's not just man's counsel. I'm glad that God gives us some principles that I believe will be helpful. The Bible says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. There's that principle. So I want everybody that's in a relationship, you say, well, that relationship needs work. Okay, well, what can you do to make it better? What can you give to it? Quit thinking about what you can receive. Quit thinking about what you can take. Think about what you can do to give. And by the way, I promise you based on this scripture, no matter who it is, if you'll start giving, you'll be amazed of how much that person will start giving back. Giving. So let's just give a few things here and we're going to go to the house. Number one, I want you to notice this. If we're going to get help with being a, not a taker but a giver, then we're going to have to determine that greed is sin and we must confess it. I don't know. Tonight, there might be someone struggling with this really bad. Someone might be really struggling with the sin of greed. Now, that's not something you're talking about. It might not be something that's prevalent in your life. Maybe nobody else knows about it, but you know what's going on in your heart. Then you need to get honest about it and say, Lord, that's sin. I want you to help me. I'm sorry. I'm confessing it. I want you to give me victory over it. Examine your life. Can I say, we don't do enough of this. You know why? We don't like what we find. But before, that's what the Bible says here. Judge ye not, lest ye be judged. You know what that means? That basically means if you don't want to be judged, then judge yourself. Examine yourself. So we need to examine ourselves to see, all right, am I greedy? Am I a taker? Here's the real test. Go to the person that you love the most and say, can I ask you a question? You be honest with me. And then you promise them and tell them you ain't going to get mad at them for telling you the truth. Because you asked for it. Don't get upset with them and say, well, yeah, honey, a little bit. Well, what do you mean? Well, you asked. Now let me tell you. Here it is. And then don't get mad about it. Say, hey, babe, I appreciate you being honest. I need to pray about that right now. And God help me. Because I will say this, it matters what your spouse thinks. And by the way, you ought to have that kind of relationship with your spouse. You ought to be able to go up and say, hey, and you know what you're getting ready to get hit with. But you want them to be honest, don't you? And then it ought to matter to us and we say, Lord, help me. In other words, here, we just got to, look, we got to get honest with ourselves. We got to start examining our heart. We got to start examining our motives. Did I do that because I was being greedy? You know what, I said that, and you know why I said that? Because I said that because I wasn't thinking anybody else. I was thinking of me. Lord, help me with that. You think I've ever gotten up, up here at this platform and said something that was greedy? Look at me. Yes. Sure. Do I desire to do that? No, not at all. I want my motives and what I say and how I say it and what I preach, I want it to be right. I want, I, I, want to, I want to truly be a giver. I don't want to be a taker. But my old flesh, the spiritual side of me, I want to give. But my old flesh, it craves sometimes. It just wants to take. And sometimes that happens in a relationship too. 
And what I start becoming, I start becoming complacent. I start becoming expectant. And then if something don't happen the way I want to, my feelings get hurt and I get all upset. No, if we're a giver, we're not worried about taking. We got to confess that as a sin. Examine our own life. And here's what we need to do. We need to search. Oh, David said, Lord, try me and search me, oh God. That's deep stuff. That's getting down to the nitty-gritty when someone says, Lord, search me. I want you to show me if there's any way in me. And by the way, we know whether we're being greedy or not. When we're thinking about ourselves, we don't have to have somebody tell us that. We already know it in our heart if we'll be honest before God. See, people, they misrepresent that church, that verse. Verse 3 is, judge not and you shall not be judged. In other words, here's what it's saying. It says, well, don't... Don't get mad at somebody if they judge you because here's what he's saying. Judge yourself first. There's no reason I ought to get mad at my wife if she come up to me in love and said, Honey, I just want to help you with something. You was really selfish there. Well, in what way? And she tells me, and I'm going to say, You know what? I appreciate that. But if I stayed mad at her, it's just simply because I didn't judge myself first because y'all know what? I'm old enough now to know that I was being selfish. So we ought to determine that greed is a sin and we ought to confess it. And by the way, confession of sin is good. By the way, I'm glad we have a God. The Bible tells us that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That ought to motivate us to confess. Don't harbor it. Don't hold it. And in the, in the context here, holding. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men. That's not holding on. That's not hoarding. It's giving. And in this context, holding, hoarding, and ignoring. Giving. Our time to the people we love. Over time, if we're hoarding and holding our, our affection to our loved ones, if we're holding our heart back and we're not confessing that as a sin and realizing, you know what, my wife, she deserves all of me, not just what I think she deserves. No. We understand we ought to do what? Confess it. It's wrong. It's not the best for your marriage. It's not the best for that relationship. We ought to be givers, not hoarders, not takers. And so we ought to understand we must, number one, examine our hearts. I mean get down to the nitty-gritty and examine our hearts. And listen, if we'll do that, no one will have to. No one else will have to. And then we won't get mad at them. Then we won't get mad at them. Do you know most arguments in a home is because somebody is simply just not being honest? And finally, someone breaks through in that relationship and they get enough boldness to say, Honey, can I tell you what the problem is? And then they're scared to death to do it because they're afraid of how their spouse is going to respond to it. Well, here's what's beautiful about it. If you'll just be honest and confess it yourself and examine yourself and realize, Hey, and judge your own self, then you won't have to have someone else do it. I'm going to tell you all right now, and that's not because I'm preaching. That's powerful stuff right there. God help us to be givers 
and determined that greed, holding and hoarding and holding and absolutely just ignoring that we're being greedy and not being a giver, listen to me, it's a sin. You can cut it any way you want to cut it. You can explain it any way you want to explain it. You can sit there and say, well, that's just not the way I am. Well, you need to get that way. God will help you get that way. By the way, the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he what? Hoarded? For God so loved the world that he kept? God so loved the world that that's just the way he was? No. The Bible says he loved us so much he gave. And if we're a Christian, we should be like who? Him. So there's no excuses. God help us to be more like him and to be givers. So we need to determine that greed is a sin and confess it. Number two, we ought to develop a set of values based on biblical principles. Now, you say, Pastor, where's those principles? I'm glad you asked. Real quick, turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to read a true story. A young man that was really confronted. And there's something here in this passage that is absolutely powerful. Luke chapter 12. Verse 13, notice the Lord Jesus runs into this young man. The Bible says in verse 13, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. Now wait, we just found out a lot about this man. With that one verse, we've already found out, and by the way, the Lord knew him better than us, but we already found out a whole lot about this man. You know what he was only worried about? Listen to me, money. That's it. That's it. I mean, bam, right off the bat. And one of his company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance. Not about my brother. Hey, I want my brother to love me. I I want you to know I love my brother. Hey, I want you to know I'm concerned about my brother. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, you're going to have to talk to this brother of mine because I need half of what he's going to get. Now, the Lord knows this, so he already knows who he's dealing with. Y'all ready? He's dealing with a taker. And it's done come right up out of his mouth. Look at verse 14. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? So that's not why I came. He said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. He, boy, he gets right down to it, boy. There's your problem. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself. Here it is. Here it is. Here's the principle. Here's the principle and the set of values we ought to be living by. Rich toward God. Rich toward God. There it is. I tell you right now, we won't be greedy if we're living rich toward God. You know what he told this man? He said, look, everything you're working for, here's what he said, somebody else is going to have it. Somebody else is going to have it. Somebody else is going to spend that money. You've been hoarding. 
Somebody else is going to enjoy all those things that you don't want to enjoy because you're afraid of losing. Somebody else isn't going to be that careful with it. They're going to burn through it. It's, it's actually foolish the way I see some people live. It's like they live here on this earth. And by the way, the Bible says drink, be merry. Hey, for this is the will of God. Hey, we understand that God gives us good things. By the way, you might as well go ahead and enjoy it. Because if you don't, somebody else will. But that's not even the principle. The principle is this. He knows he's dealing with a man that is a taker. He knows he's dealing with a man it's only concerned about money. To be truthful, this man's never probably given a, an, a, an ounce of uh, financial to somebody else, but more importantly, you see more about this man than even him not giving. I can guarantee you this man never gave a moment of time to somebody else. So the Lord's dealing with the problem, and here's what I say to all of us. If we want to be givers, here's how we're going to be givers. We have to live being rich towards God. What's that mean? We're laying up treasures up there to sit it down here. I'll tell you right now, a married couple or a family that's involved in the work of God and they truly have the heart of God and they're trying to reach people for the Lord, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to be bickering about a lot of the stuff down here. You really won't. Those things kind of be put in light to where they are because the Bible says we can't take it with us. And while we're here, what are we? how can we live rich toward God? Well, y'all know the only thing that's going to live forever is people. I was excited this morning, man. We had so many young, new couples in the church this morning. You say, Pastor, why does that encourage you? Because I'm telling you right now, I know what new young couples can do. I know what they need. I know that getting here is certainly not going to hurt them, but I also realize that normally if young couples get in and get excited, what do they do? They start sharing their faith with other young couples, and other young couples start coming, and they realize the importance of how important the Lord is in their home and in their life, and I've learned that most of them start getting saved, and they start growing, and then those precious little children can be taught the real things of life. And then there's that progress that starts. They start learning how to be rich toward God. It's a beautiful way to live. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore and I can't. Fill it home, open door, and I can't fill it home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what shall I do? We can't sing that down here. Boy, I can't wait to live down here forever. For what? Oh, up there, boy, we get to live rich toward God. Amen. And by the way, people live forever. Hmm. This kind of life sets you free from the bondage and scheming and planning your way through life. Always trying to get. Then quickly, determine that God, that's greed is sin and confess it. Hey, develop a set of values and here it is. Rich toward God. And then quickly, quickly now, turn to 1 John and we'll go close. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John Chapter 2, and we're going to deal with the third thing. We're going to close. Here it is. Y'all ready? You don't want to be greedy. You want to be a giver? Then dedicate yourself to a cause that's going to outlast you. 
Dedicate yourself to something that will outlast you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Whosoever hateth this, his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. I'm in three, sorry. Two, 15. I was going to say that didn't sound right. Here it is. Y'all ready? We don't want no murderers either. Amen. Hey, love not the world, neither the things of the world that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Here it is. Y'all ready? Verse 17. And the world passeth away. And the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'm talking about getting your life yoked up, getting involved in something that's going to outlast you. I love going to old cemeteries. Love it. And Brother Tony was talking to me the other day, and we went to that old one there. That's an old one. Man, that had some old. I walked through some of them over there at uh, Hooker, and I'm telling you right now, man, I seen some 1848, 1858. I mean, there was some old ones. But what I always look at, and I can't help but think about it, is I see the numbers and the number that they die, but the thing that has so much power is the dash. Because that dash represents somebody's whole life. And I think about as I walk, I say, I wonder what they're known for. I wonder what they did. I wonder what their family thinks about them or people that knew them. I wonder what they, wonder what people think of that person. And you know what does? I can't help it, but I think, man, what's people going to think when they walk by mine? I'm going to tell you something. If all we're living for is down here, that ain't going to last long. But if you want to be a giver, not a taker, then get your eyes set on something that's going to outlast you. Even though we're dead, yet still speaks. Do you know I can name people off tonight? Some of you might know him. Harry Pilkington. He's a man that only, I think, five people in this building know. Six, including me. I'm going to tell you right now. He still speaks to me because of his life and how he influenced me, and yet he's dead. Why? Because he chose to live that outlast him. I think of a man by the name of Johnny Atkinson. Again, only six people in this building probably know who he is. He's the one that married my wife and I. And I'm going to tell you, when I think of him, I'm going to tell you right now, he still speaks to me. Why? Because I believe he dedicated his life to something that outlived him. And by the way, there's dear precious people here. I could name so many, but I could name the Gene Robinsons. I could name the Roy Brackets. I could name the Betty Tates. I could name the Charlie Nicholsons. I could name the dear precious people that God allowed me to be a part of their life and I think of them often and I thank God for how they influenced my life and even though they might be dead because they live for the Lord, they're still speaking. 
I think of John Talents. I still hear that old booming voice. And I've never forgotten John saying, now, Pastor, he said, I'll just tell you, I've loved all my pastors. I can hear him say it now. But here's what he'd always say. He said, but I'll tell you what, you stick with your church. He's a wise man. But yet John's gone. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, have I lived the kind of life that when I die, I've put something in place that will outlive me? Can I ask you all a question tonight? How many of y'all know who won the Super Bowl in 1992? Does anybody know? Would you raise your hand? 1992. The reason I use that number is because that is the very last Super Bowl that I watched from beginning to end. I have not watched a Super Bowl from beginning to end since 1992. And the reason that I watched that Super Bowl from beginning to end because my favorite team was playing. My favorite players were playing. We're talking the great Art Monk. We're talking the great Ricky Sanders. We're talking the great Gary Clark. We're talking the great Daryl Green. How many of y'all know now who I'm talking about? I'm talking about the great Mark Rippon, quarterback, that had a great Absolute great year that year. But the reason I know all their names, that was my favorite player. That was my favorite team. But do you know what? The truth is, if all I gave my life to was a Super Bowl, that I'm going to tell you right now, within 10 years, people wouldn't even remember my name. But because we are giving the words of life and this book, and God's word and God's will will outlast me even when I'm dead. And so that will take care of my greed. Because if I will put myself in something that will outlast me, I will not be a greedy person. I want to be a giver. And so I'm going to tell all of you tonight, you say, I want to be thought of in the right way long after I'm gone. Then be a giver. Be a giver. Don't be a taker. And don't just love this world. Live for something that will outlast you. By the way, every couple here that has a Sunday school class, you're doing something that's going to outlive you. Every person here that's doing something in the ministry of God's word, listen to me, you are doing something that will outlast you because these little children, they're going to grow up. These little children are going to grow up. They're going to have children. They're going to have influence in their life. And even though we might be gone, God's still going to use us. Let's give ourselves while we can. Let's not be a taker. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Givers and takers. Something that outlasts us. When we get involved in God's work, we're getting involved in something that outlasts us. But I'm going to tell you, it takes giving. <laughs> we got to give. So can I say to every Sunday school teacher, keep giving. Can I say to every couple, say, oh, I'm tired on Sunday night, keep giving. Can I say to every Wednesday night worker, Pastor, I just don't. Don't think those kids are listening. Keep giving. To all of you that say, oh, I, I, I don't think I can keep driving them buses. No, keep giving. 
Oh, Pastor, I'll tell you right now, I just don't know if, if I want to work the nursery anymore. I just don't, nope, 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 keep giving. Because I'm going to tell you something, it outlasts you. Oh, Pastor, I think this summer, I just don't think I'm going to work vacation Bible school. Oh, yes, you are. Keep giving. Keep giving. Don't be a taker. Be a giver. And all God's people said. Can I ask this? How many of you are glad somebody gave to you? Your life's been forever changed. Now, let's, it's our turn. Remember what I said this morning, so what? So what's God want me to do? He wants me to be a giver. With head bowed and eyes closed tonight, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Listen to me. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He paid the price. And the Bible says if we will confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And the Bible says that if we will call upon the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. I'm glad our faith saves us. And he did all the work. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit of God that tells us that we're lost and what we need. And maybe tonight you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but the Holy Spirit of God's working in my heart. Then say yes to him. Let him have it. How many of you know tonight the Lord spoke to you about something tonight? Would you be honest? Would you slip your hand up? God help us. She's going to play something on the piano. I'm going to ask you to do what I've kind of challenged you to do. Will you examine yourself? Will you examine yourself? If there's something there the Lord's touching, will you give it to Him? Just yield it and say yes. Don't hoard it. Give it. I'm asking the Lord to help me to be a better giver especially to my family. Look, I struggle with selfishness just like everybody else. I'm going to be a giver. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight. We want to thank you for this passage of Scripture. It's convicting. Lord, there's so much here. Help us to judge ourselves. Help us to be honest with ourselves, Lord. Lord, if we'll examine ourselves and someone else wouldn't have to tell us, pray you'll let us and help us to let you be thorough in our lives. And Lord, I pray you'll work in all of our hearts to be givers. Because Lord, we know we're involved in something that will outlast us. Now help us. We ask it in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said. Bless you. We have some visitors tonight. Make sure you let them know how good it was to see them. God bless you. Have a great night, and we will see you at the next time.